This episode is sponsored by Circle K. Get the most savings on every gallon when you fuel with the Circle K Fleet Card. Learn more at CircleKFleetCards.com. Welcome to HTT Talks Trucking. We're looking at the biggest stories of the month. I'm Vesla Brykovich, Managing Editor of Heavy Duty Trucking, and I'm here with today with Editor-in-Chief Deborah Lockridge to talk about the highlights of December 2021. The top story by far was the sentencing of a truck driver to a 110 year prison sentence for a 2019 crash in Colorado that killed four people. And this sentence was one that received a ton of national attention, even from the likes of celebrities like Kim Kardashian. So Deborah, you've been covering this story. What can you tell us about it? Thanks, Vesna. Um, yeah, there's been quite an outcry about the length of the sentence for the truck driver. His name is Rogel Aguilera Medeiros. Nearly 5 million people signed a petition uh, to send to the governor. Uh, the Colorado Motor Carriers Association also sent the governor a letter asking for a reduced sentence. And truck drivers threatened boycotts of the state on social media using the hashtag no trucks to Colorado. And there was really no doubt that this crash that occurred in April 2019 was horrific. I mean, the driver has said what happened was he lost brakes on Interstate 70 near Denver, and he careened down a five-mile stretch of steep highway before slamming into traffic that had stopped, and then that resulted in an inferno. Yeah, it's four people died, multiple injuries, property loss, um, and yeah, no doubt it was horrific. And I'm sure the you know just the idea of that uh, people dying trapped in their cars. Uh, helped the prosecution in this case. Um, and I think there's no doubt really that um, this driver made some big mistakes when he hit that grade. The speed limit for trucks was 45 miles an hour, um, which he was going much faster than that. The runaway ramp, he went right by the runaway ramp uh, reportedly at well over 60 miles an hour. By the time he hit the bottom um, and hit this line of traffic that was stopped from their accident. He was going estimated 80 to 85 miles an hour. So prosecutors threw the book at him. Um, they emphasized the idea that uh, of negligence, you know, really gross negligence in ignoring that speed limit and going by the runaway ramp. And so he was convicted earlier this year on 27 charges, including four counts of vehicular homicide. But what really caused the hubbub was not um, the convictions, but the length of the sentence. Uh, 110 years, the judge in the case said he didn't have a choice, that it was uh, Colorado sentencing guidelines required the sentences to be served consecutively, like one after the other, instead of concurrently, which would be like at the same time. And so he said um, the driver had made a series of terrible, reckless decisions, but he still said that if he had had uh, his choice, it would not have been that long. And wasn't there some question about how much he knew about driving in the mountains to begin with. Yeah, that definitely has been a topic of discussion. Um, our equipment editor, Jim Park, dug into this shortly after that crash in 2019. Um, the driver was from Texas, you know, not exactly an area known for uh, its hilly mountainous terrain. Um, he was 23 years old, um, apparently hadn't been driving out of state very long. Uh, so it's quite possible he really didn't understand how important it was uh, to take that hill slowly, you know, why that speed limit was there. Um, and it's quite possible that, you know, he said he lost his brakes. It's quite possible it was not a mechanical 
failure, but then it was brake fade that, you know, the brakes, when you use them too much going down the hill, uh, they quit working properly. Um, and uh, when Jim looked into this, he even wrote an article about about mountain driving called uh, the art and science of mountain driving, because it's not like just driving in you know, Texas or Florida. Yeah. And so what effects, there's been so much public outcry, what effects has that had on the trial? Well, in an unusual step, the district attorney's office asked the judge to reconsider. Um, they will recommend a 20 to 30 year sentence. This is not typical, you know, usually it's the defendant that the defense attorneys that would ask that kind of thing. Um, it was so unusual that there was a hearing right after Christmas, just to look at the procedural questions um, dealing with the case. Um, so a hearing date was set for January 13th for the judge to consider the case. However, before that hearing could happen, on December 30th, Colorado Governor Jared Polis granted Aguilera Madero's clemency, and he reduced his sentence to just 10 years with eligibility for parole in five. Let's switch gears to look at number two on the list, uh, Nikola Tout's battery electric and fuel cell truck progress. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, that was uh, an interesting story. I had just uh, seen a tweet about Nikola uh, their first pre-series battery electric trucks rolling off their line in the Coolidge, Arizona facility. Um, went to write something up about it and uh, ran into a few other things. They'd also recently started track testing of their fuel cell version. Um, both of these are called the Nicola Trey. Um, I found a series of videos uh, from uh, Sandy Monroe about his visit to Nikola. He's a former Ford engineer turned consultant, uh, apparently well-known in the automotive business and he was pretty impressed um, by his visit he checked out the battery electric version the the fuel cell versions which are you know in much earlier stages of development um, and he said that uh, he was pretty impressed um, so it'll be really interesting to, to see where we go from here Great. And I know this has been really a busy month. I noticed for news coming from Nikola, um, after we published that story, news came out that the company had delivered their first battery electric uh, pilot trucks to Total Transportation Services, Inc., or TTSI, for use at ports in Los Angeles and Long Beach. And then soon after that, bulk carrier Heniff Transportation System said it would also acquire 10 Nikola Trey battery electric trucks from Thompson Truck Centers. And so both TTSI and HENIF promised to buy a total of 100 after the successful implementation or deployment of these initial units. Yeah, and so that was kind of the good news for Nicola. Um, but interestingly, same month, we also had the, some news from resulting from 15 months ago uh, when Nicola founder Trevor Milton left the company um, amidst allegation of fraud an investigation by the Justice Department and the Securities and Exchange Commission. And shortly before Christmas, the SEC announced that Nikola had agreed to pay $125 million to settle uh, the charges that it defrauded investors by misleading them about just how far along it was in developing its products. Um, I don't know if you might remember that there were reports that uh, when they first unveiled the Nikola uh, several years ago, that uh, it wasn't actually, uh, couldn't actually run on its own power. Uh, so um, a busy month indeed for Nicola. Indeed. And so third on our list was the abrupt closing of Texas less than truckload carrier Central Freight Lines. And this was a more than 2000 employee business and it had been around for 96 years. So what happened there? Yeah, I mean, that's interesting, you know, in a time that 
where a lot of fleets are just you know going gangbusters because of uh, you know high capacity, high demand. Um, but according to published reports, the Texas-based company had taken on a lot of debt. Um, it was buying up trucking companies, even as its financial situation was already shaky. It lost its biggest customer, Amazon, and apparently that put it in a hole it couldn't dig itself out of, even with the help of a $10 million PPP loan from the Paycheck Protection Program, uh, which was designed to help companies get through the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, you know, and kind of looking back over the past decade, the company had gone public and then it had gone private again, bought by Jerry Moyes, founder of Swift. Um, but, you know, less than truckload is a very different animal from the truckload world. Uh, so you have to wonder if that had uh, played any factor into that. Sure. So number four was the Biden administration's new plan to help trucking recruit and retain new drivers. So the Department of Labor and the Department of Transportation jointly announced a number of short-term and long-term initiatives to address this driver shortage. Um, this included things like launching a pilot program for younger drivers, making it easier for truck drivers or trucking companies rather to use the registered apprenticeship program. Uh, Deborah, do you think that these initiatives will help? Yeah, you know, it's, uh, it was kind of interesting to see the Department of Labor and the Department of Transportation working together on this. Yeah. Um, the Truck Action Plan, as it's called, is part of the administration's Supply Chain Disruptions Task Force, which was launched in June uh, to address supply chain bottlenecks. And a lot of the effort so far has been focused on the port situations. Um, as far as the, the driver part of this, in my opinion, most of these initiatives are not gonna help right away. Um, the nearest term one is efforts to help states speed up their licensing procedures. A lot of states are still having backlogs from license offices being closed during COVID. Um, so the uh, government spending some money and, and helping tips and stuff for, to help with that. Um, more long-term parts of it, uh, for instance, a big piece of it was emphasizing these registered apprenticeships programs. Uh, these are overseen by the Department of Labor, and apparently they are kind of a nightmare of red tape. Um, the Trump administration had tried to set up an alternative industry-driven apprenticeship program, uh, but it never really got off the ground. So uh, DOT and DOL have now announced a 90-day goal to sign up trucking companies and unions and associations and other groups that might put these programs together. And they're going to try to cut the red tape and get some of these programs established. They said in as little as 48 hours, um, obviously getting it established and actually, you know, as far as the red tape goes and then actually getting drivers through the program um, and behind the wheel is not nearly as immediate, but that's a, an interesting development, I thought. Um, and another example of longer term initiatives what the, was that the two departments are going to work together to study driver compensation and driver retention. And uh, I think that's important. Um, it'll be interesting to see if it tells us anything we don't already know. Yeah. Um, but Vesna, you've been talking to a number of fleets uh, this past year about driver retention. What do you think? You think the government can find ways to somehow scale the, uh, the most successful tactics to an entire industry? Yeah, so I think the fleets I talk with who have higher retention rates for their drivers have a lot in common and a lot of things like focus on company culture and internal mentorship programs for incoming drivers. And from my reporting, it's clear that those practices are, you know, they're not a secret. These fleets want to share. They want the industry as a whole to succeed. So what I think that these government initiatives are best positioned to do is to help really amplify those messages and best practices through those studies, through those programs. 
So with this announcement, at the very least, the government has acknowledged that the trucking and drivers are an integral part of the supply chain. And I think that's really the first step in finding, and like you said, cutting all that red tape, which creates barriers even for these fleets I'm talking to who are doing like, quote unquote, everything right internally. Yeah, it's, you know, and, and the driver shortage is, is nothing new. Um, I've, you know, last 30 years I've been hearing about it. Um, anytime basically there's not a recession, but it does seem that it is, you know, had reached really a peak kind of point here that we haven't seen before. Um, So anyway, rounding out our top five stories for December was news that Rush Enterprises, which operates the largest network of commercial vehicle dealerships in North America, just got even bigger. Uh, They acquired 16 more Peterbilt and international dealerships and its biggest acquisition yet. And that's a wrap on our top five stories from December. Uh, Vesna, thanks for doing this with me. And we're going to try to do this every month. Yeah. Um, in the meantime, be sure to go to truckinginfo.com. You can click on newsletter at the top to just subscribe to our daily headline news. That'll also get you a weekly rundown of the most popular news of the week. And follow us on social media. Listen to HDT Talks Trucking on your favorite podcast platform or watch the video version on Trucking Info or YouTube. And don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Thank you.